MCs and OC. Y'all know what it is. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the bench. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quench. Oh, see, throwing hands, one a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the Pro Bowl twice. Your boy go nice, Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day, struggle and the grind. Keep the hustle on your mind. We balling on the court, read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic, chopping up the lotto pit, get it popping, partner when we weaving in and out of it, it's on topic, in sync, tell you what we think, let the thoughts link, let the truth sink, yeah, yeah, let the thoughts link, yeah, yeah, let the truth sink. Welcome to the break. Damn, this is where the game found analytics first. Two Z's and OC. Welcome to the break. Damn, this is where the game found analytics first. Down. COVID. You said what? I said COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people back down. So the one day that practice built was Steve Kirk. We're on opposite sides of the scrimmage, and he's talking all kinds of trash, and I'm pissed because, you know, we're getting our ass kicked. Phil said to my aggression, but he was trying to tone me down, and he starts calling these ticket tag. Did you watch the last dance? It's the edge of some clips. A lot of patience. Oh, C said one second. So. Yep. I'm extremely competitive. Well, I'm going to start with some racial shit if you're okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, whatever you got. I'll introduce it the best I can. All right. Interested in how you view it. I don't know if, if you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, I'll introduce it, but I'm talking about the Deshaun Watson stuff. Yep. That's what you have to be, yeah. You ready to rock, OC? Ready. Sorry, I had to wrap up things on Pac-12 today. The so day job. Pimping? You want to start the show like that? Why don't you go ahead and just plug everything you got going, OC? What Did you have to wrap up on in Hawaii? You were doing professional fighting league and yes. you were shooting out there. They flew you out there. You, you took <laughs> Chubbs and the wife. Now you're doing uh, Pac-12. What else do you have to plug as we start the show? Two Z's and OC. I'm a big time celebrity and I don't appreciate your resentment over it. You know what I mean? Like I'm jet setting, Zachariah. You should be applauding rather than hating. Okay, well, no, seriously, like, what were you doing? What Pac-12, what's there to talk about? Basketball? No. I don't know how many times I need to explain this to you. Every single weekday, (laughs) I do a Pac-12 radio show for SiriusXM. Okay, what the hell did you talk about today is what I'm asking. We talked about yesterday was the second signing day. They got early signing day in December. In February. Cal do well? Cal actually did great. Cal did yeah. Yeah. class in the conference. They're trending upward in recruiting. So, yeah, your Bears did a fantastic job on the recruiting trail. How about your youth? They did well. Utah never does well in these recruiting rankings because what Utah does is they get the diamonds in the rough, they get the three-star guys, and then they develop them into NFL players. <laughs> That's not bad. It's actually – you can look at the metrics on this – Utah is the number one school in the country of doing more with less when it comes to NFL talent. No school turns three stars into NFL players at the same rate as Utah does. No Good one. knowledge. Zoe, anything that you'd like to plug? As This is our second to last final show as Zoe <laughs> gives us the deuces because he's in such high demand that we just we oh. can't get him anymore. Zo, what's going on with Super Bowl week? Well, you know, me and OC, we talked off, and we had to get away from you, man. That's all it is, man. You slowing us down, man. You wasting our time. So I just told him I'll be the bad guy because I have no problem with being the bad guy. So that's why I said what I said. Okay. No, but yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, got a lot of stuff going on from training over at Exos, the guys coming out for the Combine to starting this flag league with NFL flag football, the coaching the kids. There's just a lot of stuff going on right now. So that's kind of the main things I'm doing, really community-driven. out here in Phoenix through my foundation, working on getting a youth center over in South Phoenix. And so we've had some good conversations with council members to kind of start helping 
at least for myself, I know there's people already doing the work, but helping some of the lower income minority communities out here in the Phoenix area. Yeah, I mean, I we're all the same age and I've seen OC, <laughs> the grind that it takes from him just having one kid. You got four on your end. So <laughs> I see it 100% and I want to get to the Buffalo Bills. I want to get to the championship games. Obviously, we've been off for a couple of weeks. I want to start in a place that I usually never want to reside in or end at or start at, which is race. And all three that, of that's us- part of the issue, but go ahead. Oh, part of the issue is that I don't want to get into it? Yeah, well, people generally don't want to talk about it, be about it, don't want to end or start with it, so it never gets talked about. But go that's ahead. True. I appreciate you stepping out of your comfort zone today and doing it. That's true. Okay, so we have a full-blown white boy from Utah, right? Uh, Sean O'Connell, I'm not putting words in your mouth. You have said this on the air. You have been admittedly, you haven't really seen the wide scope of what you could see in terms of diversity. I think that you would admit to that, right? I'm not putting words in your mouth. I am not as cultured as folks who have grown up or reside in the Bay Area necessarily, but don't start painting me with a racist brush because no, I, no, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. I did not drop the R bomb. I just said that you admittedly, no, no, no. I just, he has admittedly said his eyes has not been open to as much I mean, stuff as other people. Athlete. Well, he grew up is much different than probably what he's experienced as an athlete, as a professional well, and that, traveling and talking to people. So no, don't act like, So this is why you're a professional. That leads me to me because I've been in the Berkeley Hills my whole life. Very sheltered, right? Except I played hoop. So I took the bus to Ghost Town, West Oakland, Deep East Oakland. Oakland. Now you're just pumping yourself up a little bit too much. Okay, you play basketball. I went to Kennedy and Richmond. I was the only white boy in the school. Can I not allow myself? Okay, all right. Oh, so you're cultured. You have have some black friends from from the hood. Okay, thank you. I never even said it. appreciate it. Put it like this. I learned how to play spades before I learned how to play chess. Okay? okay. So that gives you a little bit of a description. What does that mean? What is chess is a a white person's game? Yes. And and spades is a black person's game. Why is that? I am on record saying that. We have gotten totally off track, as I probably trying thought. trying to figure out who you are, man. You pay no seal one way, and you're saying different things that's coming this out of your mouth. This is why I didn't want to bring it up in the first place. Anyway. I'm just asking. I'm checking. Trying to figure it out. We got to see where you stand at. They called me Black Araya when I was on the radio for a reason, okay? Oh, okay. I'm straight. You know what I'm saying? I'm good in the hood. Anyways, right. my question is about Deshaun Watson and specifically the comments of Brett Favre and from Dick Vermeil. Now, I can be... In one sentence, you know, two things could be true at the same time. That's my favorite phrase. I could be ignorant in terms of being too optimistic about the way that people see the world and don't think that any of this was racially charged. Like if you had to ask me gun to my head, if I was under a lie detector test, I would pass it saying that I think Brett Favre is just a country old school dude that thinks that you need to do your job. And that Dick Vermeil is just an old school guy that thinks that you just need to do your job. But there's a lot of people coming out here saying this would not be the narrative if Deshaun Watson was white. So I ask you, I'm going to start with you, Zoe. Do you think that either of their comments were racially charged? I don't think that they were racially charged, like intentional, like, okay, this is a black guy. So let me say this. And he has to just get in and fit in where he's at, know his place. But you're naive if you don't think like where you grew up, how you grew up, the air you grew up in doesn't have an impact on on how you perceive what you say. Right. And so we always talk about that. Right. The microaggressions, all those type of things that you just unaware of what you're doing and the way it comes off as because we know that quarterbacks in this league have more of an influence and more of an input and power than any other player. And Deshaun Watson has actually earned that right just like the rest of them. So when you come off and say, hey, you make too much money, you shouldn't have any input on what the organization is doing. Oh, well, well, Aaron Rodgers did it. I mean, you did it to some extent, holding the Packers hostage, right? And so when you say certain things like that. He did say we, though, so he did say we make too much money to be saying that. He was talking about himself, too. Okay. Well, I don't know if times have shifted. Don't we can't pretend like Brett Favre didn't leverage his way and do some things because he didn't walk out of Green Bay uh, all lovey dovey, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there was a he went to the rival. He went to the Vikings, right? Yeah, right. So he should understand it now. The times have changed where the platform is different and the power of the athlete has definitely shifted from when he was in the game. So 
the way things operated, you have to understand that it's much different. And there's other quarterbacks and other players that use their leverage as far as who they are to have input. And we see quarterbacks across this league that have input. You think Tom Brady never had input as far as what went on? You never think Peyton Manning had input? Phillip Rivers never had input or Aaron Rodgers never said anything? The issue here is, is that there's been a breakdown in relationship with this mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. And now you have Watson versus ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but to your point, when you say certain things, you just have to be aware of how you're saying it and what you're saying. And when it comes across as shut up and play, I think you have done yourself a disservice. You can kind of speak to the issue. Well, this is how I did it. This is what happened in my situation. But to just paint Deshaun Watson and the whole issue with a broad brush especially in this day and age, can come across as, I'll call it ignorant of racial issues and tensions yeah. when you think yeah. about the, the power dynamic that's traditionally in sports. You know, mm-hmm. white ownership, white GMs, white head coaches, mm-hmm. right? And this black player that's supposed to just shut up and play and you do what I say, boy, essentially, right? That kind of essence to it. And so you just got to be careful with it, especially as a white man, especially in the time that we're in, when you think about all the social justice and social movements, when Deshaun Watson's not doing nothing crazy, he's just saying, hey, I don't want to play because you guys haven't upheld your end of the bargain. Now, we don't that know all the details. I'm pretty sure yeah. doesn't, and that's part of it. I mean, so, but you have to be wise in, in what you say and how you say it. I don't necessarily disagree with some of it, but you have to be aware of what you're saying and how you're saying it and how it's perceived and how it can come off to people when you're just going tongue-in-cheek. Look, there's failures on a lot of levels when it comes to a situation like this. We don't care what Dick Vermeil has to say about the modern NFL. We don't. He's old, old, old school. He's an old man now, and his opinion being trotted out because of Super Bowl connections and his Super Bowl week and all that stuff, yeah. it, it's a failure on the part of an interviewer to expect somebody like that to be up to snuff, up to date on not only the issues of the day in the NFL, but the issues of the day in society, right? And the same thing, a little bit less of an excuse for Brett Favre. It's more hypocritical when Brett Favre says it because to the point both of you guys made, he, in his career, did opposite of what he said, that shut up and play thing. He's just like, he, he leveraged his way to Minneapolis and he leveraged his way to New York and he sent pictures of his dick to people in the front office. Like, the I dude edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. Like, the dude doesn't get to say, well, well, oh, shucks, we just got to do our jobs and not worry about anything else. You can't tell somebody else to do what you yourself did not do. And the other thing about it, it's sometimes scary being the white dude who might not get it talking to a national audience because there are cultural sensitivities that exist for a reason. And if you're not all the way up to par with how to handle those cultural sensitivities, you set yourself up for something like this, right? The shut up and play comment five years ago is innocuous. You say shut up and play five years ago, doesn't matter who you're talking doesn't about, have doesn't any matter meaning. where yeah. you're at, yeah, people yeah. are just like, yep, okay, shut up and play, old school guy says yep, something like yep, that. Yep. But because white media and white power players have well, said to- The way that it was done and the way in which it was done, well, and, that's, and so, that's why it's now considered a phrase, yeah. Right, and now, now it's like, <laughs> Zoe just used the term boy, right? Yep. You don't use that term boy yeah. to a certain segment of the society anymore. Yeah, You probably never should have, but especially now, you don't have the excuse to say, I didn't know that was insulting, or I didn't know that that was racially charged. Everyone knows that now. In fact, yeah. I live in Salt Lake City, as we've talked about many times, at a jazz game. No, it was oh, two yeah. years fan got, Yeah, game. a fan got tossed out for that. Yeah, yeah. A fan got tossed because he kept saying... Boy. I'm coming for you, boy. I'm yeah, saying this yeah. to you, boy. Yeah. And like he tried to pretend, oh, that, I didn't know there's anything racial about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of why originally when we started this podcast, my first thought was, let's not go down the racial route, right? And then oh, Zo, and then Zoe said to me, that's part of the problem. And that's kind of exactly why I wanted to talk about it because in my heart of hearts. I don't think Brett Favre or Dick Vermeil are doing anything racially charged, but that might be the problem is that they don't right. see the subconscious of what they're doing. So they're right. doing it's, it without knowing it. Right. Yeah. And that's part of the, the issue. You know, society in a lot of ways shapes and forms your perceptions and what you think things, how should be done and how you should operate. And so that's what, when you talk about 
that always messes up, but systemic racism, right? It's part of the system. It's part of society. It's how things are done. And you just kind of fall in place. And it's not any, necessarily any of your own fault because you're just part of it too. And, you, and I don't think Brett was aware of it. That's why I said, I don't think it was racist, but it's just how he operates. And so when you say those certain type of things, you have to be, to OC's point, I think more, especially right now, you have to be more aware, more conscious, especially when you're talking about the black quarterback and in this situation up against the organization that's traditionally seen as, you know, some people can say slave owners. And, and, and I don't think it's like that, but that's the way this dynamic can play out real easily just because of the history of yeah, the black yeah, quarterback I mean, in, they, in the league, talked, right? They talked about not calling them owners, like right. not, yeah, yeah. not referring exactly. to them they as owners. And I think investors. a lot of this Deshaun Watson stuff has to do with who the owner is, McNair. I mean, I, I think a lot of that plays into it, but that's why I – like what I wish people were talking about more was less than them saying, oh, they're talking about a black quarterback and how he should just play, you know, and just say yes, boss or whatever. And I wish that people would be focusing more on what the underlying stuff is of people like Vermeil and Favre that don't realize the racist stuff that they're doing because they don't even know it. Like if you ask them, they'd say no, but it's underlying. Right. That's what I wish people would talk about more because that's what's actually going to change stuff. Well, look. Ignorance is no longer an acceptable excuse with everything that's happened in our country in the last whatever year, two years, however many years you want to oh, say. See, it's not acceptable, but it's understandable. It's, like if I told you that Favre had no idea that he was doing underlying racist stuff, wouldn't you understand that? No, I wouldn't because Brett Favre made his living in a predominantly black environment. Brett Favre existed in locker rooms where if he gave a shit, he would reach across the aisle and understand the people around him. He's from Missouri, for hell's sake. You think that <laughs> racial dynamics don't matter in that state? Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's seen it. He understands it. I mean, See, you grew up in the South. You have to be blind not to realize how things operate. And really, especially when you think about now, when you've had essentially, and I'm not saying... Brett Favre's a racist. I'm just saying this in the context of, to OC's point of ignorance, with the social justice movement, where we just sat through for the last eight months at home and on TV every single day, for you not to go and sit back and go, man, let me think about some of those experiences I had in college in an, or in the locker room. How Zoe, did that happen? So, in an ideal plan. world, yes, but I think both of you are underrating how hard it is for somebody to cross I, their, I will say their normal I will path. Say like if you grow up in, or if you live in a, to OC's point, in a segregated community, because our country is very segregated. So if mm -hmm. you've never been exposed to it and you don't have anybody around you or you don't have contacts or friends, and I get that part of America and mm -hmm. I understand that. I was talking to a dude the other day. He didn't see a white person until he went to college. So his dynamic and how to relate was much different. But to OC's point, Brett Favre has... Black friends. I mean, he, he grew up. He, I mean, he worked in the locker room yeah, for yeah. what the last yeah. fifteen. I mean, what did he play? Fifteen, eighteen years. I don't know. Played a long time, right? And so, at some point, he had to have some type of genuine relationship. And so, when something like this happens in our country, as far as just Black Lives Matter and that whole entire movement, as everybody's watching that, people that have had contact in a relationship with somebody that is black, you would think, well, let me ask them. What is this whole thing about? Because I'm really clueless. Yeah. So let me go ask my teammate, you know, my, yeah. my former teammate, a guy that I'm a brother with, because I know he's going to shoot it to me straight, right? And I think that's what OC's talking about, being in the locker room. You may not, it may not have been an issue when he was playing. It kind of, maybe it was, but now mm -hmm. it's like in your face. So yeah. you say, hey, let me get on the phone call and let me figure some of this stuff out. It's not about well, Then if you don't know, don't comment on it then. It's not you know, about living I mean. in an ideal world. I'm with world. you. I'm with you, but he doesn't even know that he shouldn't be commenting Look, on it. That's my whole point. Living, it's not about living in an ideal world or being overly idealistic or anything. And like I said, Vermeil's old. Like, so old people get a pass that other people don't get mm -hmm. because they've gone through three different societal changes and maybe only paid close attention to one or two of them, right? So, like, it's different in that environment. But there is a subconscious reaction, whether you like it or not, for a lot of people that are embedded in a system one way or the other, when it's like, if I'm the white dude from Salt Lake City saying something, black folks from the Bay Area might be like, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't want to hear from you. Right? If I'm the white dude in Seattle, Washington, and I hear 
that this young black man in Houston doesn't want to play for the team that's willing to pay him $35 million a year. Maybe my reaction to that subconsciously is like, well, why doesn't he just do what he's told? Why doesn't he just do what he's supposed to do? And that person might not even understand why you shouldn't think that way about a grown man's desires to shape his own profession. But we have to stop pretending that it's okay to just be unaware of all of this stuff that's happening racially. Like we, I'm we, with you. I just don't think the route to get them to be aware is the route of saying well, that no one's if, if they on the surface says the public shame is not going to help the issue. I mean, nope. somebody in their camp or in their social circle needs to reach out to them and that's tell them, what hey, I'm saying. that's what I'm saying. This is how it came across. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what has to occur for to have real change. They, somebody a friend that's not, you If know, they don't think they're racist and they're not even coherently racist, like if they don't, like if they're not actually racist, but they don't realize that the stuff that they do is racist, you're never going to get to them. The bottom you, line is, is getting to the inherent part of what they're saying. That but, is what's actually going to okay. change stuff. But look, yes, this is a public call out and it comes from Stephen A. Smith, who's like excessively loud sometimes. And well, it came from everywhere. It can't, I mean, yeah. that's okay. not even the source that I got it from. No one's canceling Brett Favre. No one's canceling Dick Vermeil. People are like, they're saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, let's think about what you're saying. Is this racially charged? Look, I, I make fun of myself for being relatively sheltered. But I mean, I lived in Africa for a year. Like I grew up in locker rooms. I don't feel like I have a racist bone in my body. I really don't feel that way. I went on a date with a girl who happened to be a lovely African-American. And we were talking and she was talking about her hair and how long it takes her to get her hair done and all that stuff. And I made some comment just like, yeah, you know, I don't know anything about any of that stuff. Like, uh, you know, my hair is not nappy like yours or whatever. And she's like, whoa, ho, ho. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, you messed up. It, but I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't seeing it in a pejorative. I wasn't yeah, seeing yeah. like. No, like, you just don't use the. You, you don't use the n word ever. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Any n word. Any n word. I was right, 20 years old. Oh, bad man. I was yeah, 20 yeah, years old. You was and I didn't know. The date was date was over. And I was just like, but she she was just like, I, I thought that was just a term you used. To describe the hair, like that's what got Don Imus fired. I wasn't, yeah, but he said nappy-headed hoes. I know, like, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm messing around. I was like, I, I didn't. Like, I just thought that that in a conversation that was not hostile in any way. You thought that was a normal word. That yeah. it was just like a word you could use to describe tightly wound hair. And yeah. she's just like, you can't say that. And I was like, oh, ever? Are you for real? She's like, that you can't say nappy head. You can't say nappy hair. I'm like. What am I supposed to call it? What am I supposed to say? Like, I don't have black black person. Black hair. hair. Black hair, yeah. I don't have black hair. She's just you like, would have been better off doing that. that yeah. And look, if that she probably was like, there's no excuse for him not to know that, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, she called me out for it. Never for the rest of my life, I promise you, will I ever use that as an adjective. Ever. Never, yeah. ever, ever. Yeah. Well, I just, with this whole story, and we can wrap it up because I want to talk about football and then I want to lighten up and talk about like Super Bowl highlights and stuff like that. The last thing that I want to say, and again, as OC said, nobody wants to hear from the white privileged dude from the Berkeley Hills or the white dude from Salt Lake City, Utah. Like nobody wants to hear that. But what I would like for us as a society, and this is looking at all people, rather than just point at something and look at a headline and go, we should do this, or this person did this, and that was bad. Rather than do that, I would much rather us try to unravel and get to the bottom of what is actually being said. Because in my heart of hearts, like I said, I don't think Dick Vermeil or Brett Favre were trying to be racist, but I could totally see them being subconsciously racist with the stuff that they said. And what I'd rather do is get to that, because that's what's actually going to eradicate the problems that we have. And that's my final point. You guys can okay. say whatever. But no, no, I appreciate that. I mean, the NFL has had hosted. I mean, I've done a ton of things with the Bills. I know they have like a diversity and inclusion team and this whole thing where they're starting to try to educate just the workplace because the workplace predominantly, even in a you know place like Buffalo, look at the, is super look at the Washington a, team, Zoe. They had no true. idea what was going on in their environment. Right. I mean, they knew what was going on, man. The well, people at the top. 
Come on now, let's let's be real. You don't do something like that for that long. What's going okay, on? Well, they they appear to not know what was going on. That they are, and I think some teams are doing it better than others. Are trying to make an asserted effort of just educating folks on things that they just don't know because they don't know. To OC's point, to his date, you know, snafu and using the N word as in nappy in regards to a young lady's hair, you know, and just little microaggressions like that where you don't know because you just didn't grow up. In that environment. And so those are okay as long as you're willing. You sat there, I'm pretty sure, OC, and said, why? Why can't I say that? She told you why. He was like, okay, that makes sense. I'm not going to use it again. Do it again. And that's generally what the conversation, how it should roll, right? The issue is when people want to push back on, well, you said, why can't I say it? You know, whatever their argument is of of why they want to resist because they feel like it infringes upon or validates who they are, like a term like white privilege. Mm-hmm. And so those are the, some of the, like nappy is an easier term to describe. But when you start talking about like white privilege, some of the harder terms to kind of get around, people start, you think you like invalidating their work ethic and like maybe they only got it because they're white when that's not really what, what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. so it has to be an ongoing conversation. You have to start with small things, build it to grow into bigger things to get people to understand. But it really that's the deeper takes part, a so- relationship. That's the deeper part, though, that I'm more interested in. Right. I would rather, like, I mean, because if I, if I walk up to a random dude I don't know and we have a conversation, it, they, they're going to be defensive. Like, I don't know you. Why well, I'm listening to you? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it, it does. If you, if, you know, whoever's listening to this, if you have people in your life in your circle that really don't know, or you need to have that conversation, you need to have these hard conversations because that's the yeah. only way to have change. No one needs to come at Brett Favre's neck or Dick Vermeil's head for any of this, but there's no reason not to say, hey. Yeah. Are you sure this is what you want to be saying? Do you want to clarify what you're saying? Would you be saying this about Tom Brady? Would you be saying this about Aaron Rodgers? And would you be saying this about somebody who looked more like you? Like, And if the answer is, well, yeah, Aaron Rodgers should just shut up and play too, well, then that's his opinion and that's fine. But like, it's okay for people to question whether or not there are some biases and some subconscious or conscious biases that have to do with race in a sporting environment. And Shut up and play, as we already talked about, is one of those phrases that is now racially charged because it was used against LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and all these guys during important social justice movements in the United States. They were told to shut up and play, not by anyone who was black. Yeah. I mean, that's why ultimately, and this is what I say about politics all the time. I have friends that are hardcore on the left, friends that are hardcore on the right. I'm constantly saying that I'm down the middle. A lot of people try to claim that they're in the middle and they're really not. But ultimately, the middle is the only time you get stuff done. If you're hardcore on one side or the other, nothing is going to get done. And when it comes to this thing in particular, I don't like the, oh, Vermeil and Favre are racist and dismiss them. They're ignorant idiots. And I also don't like the other side of saying, you know, I mean, for me, when you can actually get to the meat of the bone is when you can actually talk about what was said why it was said, because I honestly think that they would have said it about a white quarterback too. I don't actually think that they had anything, but, but <laughs> there's nothing wrong with having a conversation ever. Yeah, anyway. yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right. To football we go, gentlemen. And I like to be loud right and loud wrong. I was certainly loud wrong about Zoe's Buffalo Bills. Got to the AFC Championship game, ultimately lost to Mahomes. It was more the defense than I think anything else. I want to get your views on that. And then I think we talked... I think I said I flip-flopped more than anybody in the country, I think, because I said – I think I said that the that Brady and the Bucks were going to make the Super Bowl, and then in, like, week five when he threw a pick six or something in New Orleans or something, I was saying that he was totally done. But ultimately, we have, the, yeah. we have, we have so. the Chiefs and we have the Saints. Let's start with the AFC, though, and I'm guessing, because I know you well – you're a defensive guy. I'm guessing that the defense let you down because I don't think that that was a representation of Josh Allen not being the guy that the Bills need to get over the hump. I mean, I think the team didn't play well overall. When you look at kind of Josh early in that game, just I think he was pressing a little bit. I think that was, you know, it's always when your first time that you get into a game like that, especially playing against a quarterback of Patrick Mahomes, Elk, I think guys tend to press and try to prove that they belong on the same field, right? So I thought some of that was getting to him early, some of the nerves. You saw some drop balls by some guys that were uncharacteristic. And when you play on a team that is able to do what they do, you can't have those type of mistakes. And you have to be able to score touchdowns. I mean, there was 
probably three or four times, you know, Sean McDermott, you know, caught a little, you know, hell from people or criticism, I should say, for not going forward and not going goals. for touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding that who you were playing against. But, you know, really what surprised me in the game was really how well the Kansas City defense played. I mean, they got the young man back. Uh, 38 was a sneed. He ended up getting a concussion in the game, but he played really well. They were able to double some guys, take away Diggs, Cole. John Brown really never came alive. I mean, so I was just really impressed by that back-end defense, and they did a great job, you know, led by Tyron Matthew. So those guys are good. I mean, I got to tip my hat off to them, and obviously Patty Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are who we thought they were, you know, dynamic monsters. And so unless you're going to You're on the points, sidelines, though, and they're electing to kick field goals. And two different situations. Your reaction yeah. is what? In the moment, I don't. I, I really don't know. It's not like I'm gonna go run up to Sean and say, "What the hell are we doing?" I, I mean, that, that's not my place necessarily because I'm locked in trying to figure out how to stop him. You know, because <laughs> if I'm stopping him, you can kick field goals. You know, but if I ain't stopping him, we yeah. need to. Be well, a they scored bit four more touchdowns better. in a row. Yeah, I, I, mean, so, I just felt like at that point, and I, I would never pretend to be an NFL head coach, but yeah. I felt like at that time, you knew you had to get touchdowns, and kicking field goals was basically like punting the game right. away. And I, and I agree with you. I mean, but in the moment when you're living it, it's much different than when you're in the moment watching it, right? And so, and they have stats about on that, things. right? I mean, they're... He's looking at his percentage chances of whatever the analytics say. And all of that stuff. But you still are in the moment and you got all these things going through your mind and you have about 40 seconds to make a decision as far as what you want to do. And so, you know, if they figure out a way to win the game, then you're a genius. The same thing that happened with in in that game when he decided to kick a field goal, right? If they figure out a way and Rodgers figures out to win the game, then it's it's all good. But you you always always easy to second guess somebody's decision while you're watching it because you don't have anything to lose there's no pressure on you there's no consequences you know uh you just sitting on the couch chilling oh oh you should do this yeah it's real easy but i mean i coach flag football and it's like 50 million things that's going on in my mind while i'm trying to get all these kids right so just imagine on that magnitude of all the things that's going through sean's mind he probably has coach in his ear say hey hey go for it go for it Hey, no, 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 no. We need to get the field goal. So even within the coaching staff, you got people in your ear. You just got to go with your gut. And this time, hindsight, he probably would be more aggressive. But at the end of the day, even if he goes for it and he may get one of those, they still didn't play well enough to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. So uh, the better team is, is, is in the Super Bowl right now. And I know the Bills will learn from it like they did last year when, they, when we lost to Houston in 2019 mm-hmm. and grow and get better. And next year, mm-hmm. They would have been there. Their nerves would be slightly calmer, and I think they'd be able to live up to it. And you obviously you got to earn your way back there, but I think they should because they, Nucleus is young and, and intact. The only thing I'm worried about right now, if I'm the Bills, like they, they're taking the necessary step forward and all that stuff. The only thing I'm worried about is a phenomenon that we've seen more really in the NBA, where like you can have a great team in the NBA's West, but you've got LeBron right now in the West, even if you're a great team. You could have a great team in the AFC East for a while, but you always had something standing in your way, right? So, and I don't even know if it's just Patrick Mahomes. It might be the marriage of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes because if I told you that the Chiefs' starting offensive line was one starter who got benched at one point this season and now is starter again, and then four backups, you'd be like, that's not a Super Bowl team. But – because of the offensive system that they've implemented, because of the perfect marriage between Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy gets some credit there as well. Like, I don't know if there's really anything that Buffalo can do yet to get over that hump because of what you're up against. Yeah. You can be a really good team, but yeah, they got a perfect. Hey, and we don't. We only need one shot. You know, Peyton Manning figured out a way to get past those Patriots and got him one. You know, before they got him up out of there. I, you know, we don't need to win four or five in Buffalo. We just need one. You know, so we can figure well, that's out. That's true. I one, mean, one time we good. That's right. all we need at Buffalo. But, but that's, well, that's true about football and basketball. You got to win four out of seven. In football, all you need to do is win one game. But right. to OC's point. You know, you talk a lot about this, Zoe, and I obviously defer to your knowledge and experience playing in the NFL, but you talk a lot about the difference between 
having the experience of playing in the first round or having the experience of playing in the second round. And now you're talking about, but, but here's the thing. Mahomes is a year ahead of them and he's basically just as young. So it's like whatever knowledge they're going to gain, he's just gaining more. Yeah, it's not about the necessarily the knowledge. It's about the experience of actually being there in that situation and in that environment and what it means and what's at stake. I'm not talking about football IQ and how do you read defenses and fundamentals and getting better. I'm talking about, talking about the nerves, pressure right? you feel. I'm talking about nerves and pressure yeah. that you feel for playing for a Super Bowl mm-hmm. that every little kid in America right now out there playing football is dreaming yeah. about accomplishing and you yeah. finally get there. Right. You finally it's right there. One game away, one game away. And how do you deal with that? Because the Buffalo Bills is a good enough team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs have just been there and and do it at a higher level right now. So the Bills just have to get over that hump and figure out how do they sustain that and be able to compete with that? Because offensively, they can keep up and then you figure out how to make a one stop here, there, and then you can figure it out. Pat Mahomes has a bad game, some injuries. I don't really care what happens. Tyreek Hill and Kelsey could be out the next time we play them in the championship and just be just as good to me if we're in the Super Bowl next year and they're missing pieces, right? Because it's football. That's what happens. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't care how it happens, but I know this Buffalo Bills team has the ability to get there. Obviously, it's going to be a huge challenge when you think about who's in their their conference and even some of these other quarterbacks that are up and coming who's in their conference. But right now, I think we're in a prime position to put ourselves in a good spot. And then hopefully next year, so I don't know how they match up, but if we could get home field advantage some way for the AFC championship game, that may even be a big difference too, you know, and have Bill's Mafia in there next year after all this COVID stuff. So that's a potential, you know, who who knows what's happening, but hey. A foot of snow and, and Bill's Mafia in their Zuba pants. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm hoping for the best, man. You know, I I got a lot of hope and, and, and wishes because you know, if they would have won one this year, I knew I would have got like an honorary ring or something. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the biggest letdown. I and you know, I could have just put that on the mantle and act like I actually played in the Super Bowl and won it myself. Well, I was wondering while watching that game because I mean, you're not throwing the defense under the bus, I'm gonna do it for you. You don't have to put your stamp on it. It'll be I Zach Ryan. So hashtag Bills my. It was the defense that let you down, Zoe. The defense was horrendous. Everybody was horrendous that game. But who stopped them? Who stopped Kansas City? Okay, well, let's move on to the NFC. Will the Bucs stop them? OC, I'll start with you. Number one, I again, I think I said this before the year started. I thought the Bucs would make the Super Bowl. I thought they would lose to the Chiefs. So I think I basically predicted this exactly if the Chiefs beat the Bucs on Sunday. Great job. But, hey, like, by week six, really, I was saying that really Tom Brady was the worst quarterback ever. Anyway, wow, anyways, really anyway, what'd you make of the NFC Championship game, and does Aaron Rodgers need more help? Well, look, I know that the emotional and irrational reaction – is to get super mad and say you can't kick that field goal. You have to let Aaron Rodgers go for a fourth and eight. But that You're not going to dispute that, are you? Hardly. Hang, hang on. You're not going to dispute that, are you? I'm saying I will ride that train to like die. You have Aaron Rodgers. You're agreeing with that? With kicking the field goal? Yeah. No. Oh. no. Okay, sorry. And look. I, I don't care what your little card says. I don't, I don't care what the analytics tell It was you. the dumbest thing I've ever seen in football. Ever. Look, if you go for it there and you don't convert, then everyone says, well, you put the game in the hands of Aaron Rodgers. That's what any coach and any fan on planet Earth would want to do. Instead, what you get is this after-effect conversation about like, well, you know, analytics tells me that it's actually more likely you're going to get a – you're going to get the ball back with two minutes and 18 seconds left. You know, Tom Brady's a good player, but they got to run the ball. It's like you don't have to explain why you went for it on fourth and eight with Aaron Rodgers. You yeah. do have to explain why you kicked the field goal. You absolutely have to explain that. And you know who you have to explain it to more than me, more than you, more than Zoe? You have to explain it to Aaron Bleepin' Rodgers. No, no, you don't. He's, he's just a player. He's just supposed to do whatever the coach tells him to do. <laughs> don't believe Shut that up and play, man. You paid to play quarterback, not coach the game. Shut up and dribble, OC. Hey. No, seriously, I, watching that in live time, part of me was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Then if you get a stop and you score a touchdown, you win or whatever. But, like, you cannot coach as if Tom Brady is not going to get a first down, which is essentially what LaFleur did. That's right. 
You you can't coach that way. And not, it's not even just Tom Brady. It's they got two beefy backs that are running the ball well. Ronald Jones. Yeah. They got an, they got an offensive line. Yep. That's playing great ball. Like yep. there's a lot of reasons. What they've got Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. His like career long safety outlet who is always going to get him a first down if nothing else if Gronk has no touches no catches in a game you can almost always count on Gronk to get you the one first down that you need so you're right you can't coach until well, you I want do you think he was influenced by the I think at that time he may have already thrown three picks or was that earlier he had thrown a couple of picks by then no, Tom Brady threw uh, three picks in the second half picks. yes he had thrown three picks he had thrown three picks so what you think LaFleur yeah. thought that he, Tom was going to throw another one I mean, his defense was balling. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm so, asking. Zoe, this is why I love you. I'm I think you're the only person on the planet that thinks that LaFleur thought that Brady was going to throw another pick. No, I think he thought he was going to get a pick. I'm out. not saying that. I'm asking you, do you think he was influenced by it? No, no. I'm not saying I agree with it. It's a question. I don't think so. I think he thought his defense was going to get a three and out, and then rather than him needing to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion, a touchdown would have won the game. Same thing. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Anyways. That's what he – All right. So on to the bowl before we get to the fun. I want to ask you guys so you can start mentally preparing. I want to ask you about your favorite Super Bowl memories because I've got like, uh, I don't know, 17. I already got I'm, mine. Okay, I've got 17 that I'm going to lower down to like three. But that before we mean. before we get How to all that, have you been to? Uh, zero. Oh, okay. You've been watching them. Oh, you have seventeen watching the Super Bowl memories. Okay, well, actually, right. I watched okay. like thirty three. But yeah. Anyways, <laughs> the point is, <laughs> before we get to fun Super Bowl memories, I want to ask you guys just about this game. The way I look at it is, and this is often how I talk out of two sides of my mouth. And uh, Zoe would probably nod to that. And uh, OC yeah. would probably nod to that as well. Yeah, both of you guys have. The, yeah, you'd be an idiot to bet against Tom Brady, uh, but you cannot bet against Patrick Mahomes. So I'm taking Mahomes. I don't know that the Chiefs will. What is it? Three and a half? Three now? What's the spread? I would just take the Chiefs on the money line. The Chiefs aren't losing. And that's where I'm at. So what yeah. do you guys have for the bowl? I would concur. I agree. Patty Mahomes, 35 31 Chiefs. Oh, so covering. Yes. Put your mortgage on Zoe. If Zoe wins you your mortgage or loses you your mortgage, you can add him at One Man Gang 97. Real OC Sports. What do you got? I think that the Chiefs are going to win. And I think we're going to find out about midway through the second quarter if Patrick Mahomes behind that offensive line that is, it's patchwork, it's makeshift right now. This Buccaneers defense is going to be going bananas after him, right? You've got, like, they're going to bring pressure. And Patrick Mahomes is one of the best in the entire NFL at improvising, extending plays, getting away from pressure, and making things happen. So, weirdly, I, I think that Tampa Bay is going to put this game on the backs of their defense. They're going to say, look, we're going to get really? solid performance out of Tom Brady, but – our defense is going to have to win us this game, and our defense is going to have to win us this game by taking Patrick Mahomes out of a rhythm that he always gets himself into, even if you're coming at him. So I think by about midway through the second quarter, we're going to figure out how well the offensive line and Mahomes himself are dealing with the pressures that are coming, and, and that'll probably tell the story for us. But I, I think it's going to be a good game. Obviously, it's a really interesting legacy game, and – I've heard other people say it, and I actually agree, even though people bring it out as a hot take, that like, if Patrick Mahomes ever wants to be considered the greatest of all time, this is a game he has to win, the head-to-head matchup in a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Okay, so what's your pick? The Chiefs. Okay, all right. Did you just want me to say Chiefs and then give you a score and not say anything else? No, 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 no. I was fine with everything. I just didn't see where you were going because I, I'm with you. I think ultimately – this game means way more for Mahomes than it does for Brady. If Brady wins it, what? He's got seven instead of six? Great. But Mahomes getting it and getting number two and beating Brady in the process and getting three and or two and three, which should have been three and three if it wasn't for the Frank Clark offsides or whatever when Brady threw a game-ending interception that nobody wants to talk about, I think this means way more for Mahomes. And I think ultimately if he wins it, then he can go down that path. I don't know like what he'd need to win 
in order to succeed him. But I also think that having Belichick in your back pocket has been a great benefit for Brady. Anyways, all right. None of you guys got nothing on that. All right, let's uh, let's end this on a fun note. Your favorite memories of the Super Bowl. Okay, I've got one in particular. And you know when you can go back to like your old school friends, you know, like when you can name them like first name and last name. This was back when you had to when you had to call the house phone and you actually spoke to the mothers yeah. and you were like, "Hey, Mrs. Alter, is Jesse available?" So Jesse Alter is the house who I was at when Janet Jackson uh, exposed her boob in what was called a uh, what was it a malfunction uh, wardrobe malfunction wardrobe malfunction yeah. So that is my number one. I've got a ton of others. I'm just going to start with that and then let you guys go where you want. And then I've got like, I've got like four others. I've actually got like 17 others, but I'm just going to do four others. Hold on. So your favorite Super Bowl memory is? Absolutely. Janet. A boob? Boob. Yes. Yeah. First of all, (laughs) okay. For anybody listening, please look up on Apple Music the song again by Janet Jackson. It's the most romantic, sweet song of all time. I guarantee you, OC, if you leave this podcast and you go see your wife and you play again by Janet Jackson, she will hold and caress your face and give you a big kiss. It's the most romantic, greatest song ever. And then, yes, when I was seeing her boob at whatever age I was, I don't even remember what year it was, it was amazing. So that's my numero uno Super Bowl memory. All right. Well, I'm a fan of teams that of a team that actually wins Super Bowls. So, okay. I, I'm, my favorite Super Bowl memory, 1995. Oh God! When the Niners stole that Super Bowl, they literally stole that Super Bowl. They bought Ken Norton Jr. They bought Ricky Waters. They bought Deion Sanders. That was the most fraudulent Super Bowl in the history of. Are you talking about the Niners over the over the Chargers? Yes. Okay. Worst That's, Super Bowl of all time. Why is that fraudulent? Because they had a cap room and... They good, bought everybody! What are you supposed to do in sports? You could have won that Super Bowl at quarterback. Steve Young is a fraud. And I'm guessing this is a Utah bias. I think Zoe's checked out. But Zoe, what's your biggest no, Super Bowl memory? Hold on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I can't listen to you when you just talk nonsense. Obviously, I grew up a Niners fan. And so, uh, you know, I just kind of just tune self out because I'll get upset or, you know, just stuff I don't want to do when, I got, when I'm dealing with you. You know, I only can take you a small uh, sample you size. You love me. You oh. love me. No, not really. But it's it's all good. I don't even know why I've decided to be this close to you anyway. But no, don't worry about it. It's all good. Um, I, I do What's love your you. favorite Super Bowl moment? So my, my favorite Super Bowl moment was actually last year, earlier this year, 2020. Every year, well, recently, I, I've been able to be nominated by my teammates as the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Because of that, they fly guys down to the Super Bowl, you and your, your wife. And so last year, particular year, was really cool because they also were honoring the top 100 greatest players of all time. And so we were all staying down there in South Beach, and we all had to get on buses to go over to the stadium and and watch the game. And so the coolest moment for me is that I'm sitting on this bus with me and my wife, and you got Brett Favre on the back, me, Joe Green, Dale Green. I mean, just a ton of cats. I think Ed Reed might have been on the bus with us. Uh, Ray Lewis and just hearing them, those guys talk and just have fun reminiscing. I even remember me and my wife went to Prime 112 to to eat over there, really top restaurant down there in South Beach, and 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 then Brett Favre was kind of looking on my shoulder. He was like, "Hey, hey, you gonna you gonna you gonna finish those waffles?" I said, "Nah, man, you want them?" So you know, I ended up giving my plate to Brett Favre, and so just that whole kind of like locker room bus ride over to yeah. the Super Bowl and getting to see these guys interact and hang out was by far like my most memorable Super Bowl that I've ever experienced. And I've been fortunate enough to actually go to a couple of games, but that right there to see all that greatness on a yeah. bus. And then the cool part of it too, is that like fans, we put like a, you know, put these guys on, on pedestals, but like what, because I played in the league, they treated me like I was, you know, one of the dudes, like I yeah, was yeah. one of them. You know, it yeah, wasn't yeah. like, no, hey, what you on our bus for yeah, yeah, type yeah. thing. It was like really inclusive. And so it, it was a real cool moment to be around that greatness. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's way better than just watching a game. And it's definitely way better than just accidentally seeing a boob. Boob, right. <laughs> hey, hey, it wasn't any boob, OC. It was, it was Janet Jackson's boob. Anyways, the other ones that I had off top, 28 to 3. How the hell do you blow that? Uh, Atlanta Falcons and I just worry about Niners fans because you lost the 20 to 10 lead in the Super Bowl last year um, 
Those are, uh, and then the helmet catch, that's one that is like off top. And then Harrison's pick six at the end of the half against the Cardinals. Those are all like Super Bowl moments that are like pretty much ingrained where I could tell you, you know, it's like when OJ got not convicted, I could tell you the exact spot, the exact time of day. (laughs) I was at Martin Luther King Junior High, seventh grade science class. It was like 10.56 a.m., something like that. Anyways, uh, those are the moments for me in, in, in terms of the Super Bowl that I can remember off top. The helmet catch. Was off the hook. Harrison's I'm pick six. Long man, but you know, just you remember when you when a when a when a black athlete got 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 off, huh? <laughs> I was a I'm pretty glad he got off. I was, was convicted. It'd been worse, man. You just you locked give in it on to me. That. Did he that do was, it? That was a, that was a pretty historic <laughs> not guilty. <laughs> at two Z's and OC on Twitter. At Real OC Sports, at One Man Gang 97, at Zach Sports, Z A K Sports. All right, gentlemen, we will talk after the game. All right. All right. Later. Be well. Two Z's and OC. Y'all know what it is. OC, welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the bench. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quencher. OC throwing hands, one a million in the squad. The rental hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the Pro Bowl twice. Your boy go nice, Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day, struggle and the grind. Keep the hustle on your mind. We ballin' on the court, read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic, chopping up the lotto pit, get it poppin' partner when we weaving in and out of it. It's on topic in sync, tell you what we think. Let the thoughts link, let the truth sink. Yeah, yeah, let the thoughts link, yeah, yeah, let the truth sink. OC, welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first. Two Z's and OC, welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. First down.